Hello, welcome back to the Redfern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I'm joined by my contributor, Susan Matheson, who has a wonderful blog called Bedside Table Books, and she's back uh, to do a fall kind of preview of what's coming out this fall, which is the biggest season, our biggest time of year for books. It's like the holidays for um, the bookselling world. And um, also ask her a few travel questions. But uh, with that, I wanted to say welcome, Susan. Well, thank you. Thank you for my promotion, too. <laughs> I always think of this as the last thing, farthest thing from work. It's always such fun to chat with you. Um, so the, before we get into the books, which is equally as important to me, is I wanted to talk with you a little bit about some travel tips. We've been talking offline a bit. I'm going on a big trip. I'm about to leave. Um, I'm going to Paris and Amsterdam, and you had some uh, tips. And the first thing, can you tell everybody, you told me about this great place I have to go to have uh, steak frites. Oh, wow. That's in Paris. It's called L'Entrecote. You can also go and uh, I think they, it's a family that established this restaurant generations ago. The yeah. initial ones were in Paris. And then uh, the next generation came along with all the siblings and they all took an element of the business and have taken it global. So there are, um, these restaurants are now in London and in New York city and all around the globe. And each sibling kind of has their own flair, but the essential component of this restaurant is just fabulous. And it is, you never order, you just go in, it's set and it is steak frites and an amazing salad. And then you get a choice between red or white wine and then you get a choice of dessert and that's it. There's no ordering, there's nothing. And when we went to um, the one in Paris, you sit in the window and you're at your, it's very bistro-like, very cute, very French. And all the people line up outside the window and they're all watching and waiting. They don't take reservations. So the whole experience is quite a delight. And uh, when I heard you were going to be traveling over in those realms, I thought you might enjoy the experience because it's, um, yeah, it's just kind of a fun one, but also a neat business story. I like the whole element of how the family has taken on this uh, concept and then moved on with it. I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now the second important question, I am narrowing down what books to take and like many readers, and I know you do the same part of, you know, you look at travel guides and all that kind of thing and prep. But one of the things is looking for books set or about or by authors based in where you're going. So I have a few ideas, but I want to hear what you recommend or if you have any ideas for me about books set in Paris, maybe even Amsterdam. What do you think? Well, um, having been to Amsterdam, I think was my last trip out in the big wide world. <laughs> I prepared by reading The Miniaturist. Oh, Crumb, you're going to have to help me with the author. It's just, uh, I'm blanking. I'm but kidding. it's, uh, I think Sarah something or other. Anyway, The Miniaturist is um, a fascinating historical novel, but she was inspired by a dollhouse in the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. And so the whole story 
is about this family and then how this dollhouse, which is, you know, on a scale, none of us as children ever <laughs> experienced this large, massive piece of artwork. And it's all, um, it's, it's just fascinating, this beautiful, beautiful dollhouse. So she is inspired by that and then takes it into this incredibly detailed story of a family and, and the era and, and there's an element of mystery and relationships and it's a little kind of Bridgerton-esque, I would say. <laughs> anyway, it was such fun to read that book, which is on its own great, but then to actually see the dollhouse in person in the museum, which inspired the writer, but also forms this amazing part of the story in the book. So that was really quite fun to see something that you imagined in your mind and then to see it actually in, you know, up close and personal. In and that, that is Jesse Burton. Jesse Burton is the author. Jesse Burton, you're right. Yes. yes. Um, Burton's wedding dresses. <laughs> My worlds are crossed. <laughs> um, so have you heard of the book someone recommended to me, Tulip Fever? Have you heard yes. about this? Yes. I want to read that one. Have you read that? I have not, but the trivia around that is if you watch, what was that show again, set in India, which was a fantastic kind of vibe. Remember when all the old people, Maggie Smith and gang, all Judy Dench, and they all went to the old folks home in India? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the woman who wrote that also wrote Tulip Fever. So it appeared uh, in the book. Somebody's reading it. Um, Judy Dench, uh, I think, lounge somewhere reading Tulip Fever. So that was a little movie trivia for you, <laughs> if I'm remembering it all correctly. Um, so yes, no, I have not read it, but I do know it was one of those books, and there's so many, Amy, I know we both share this, that were just um, top of the line. Everybody was reading them and passing them around. And for some reason, it just too many books, too little time, didn't get to it. And then decades go by and you're caught up in like this fall, all these new releases and all those ones that should still be, you know, waiting for us to read are getting passed over. And on that note here, segue galore here, um, Anne Patchett, we all love and adore, um, she wrote Bel Canto and uh, was her latest one, I can't remember, Dutch House. Um, she is associated with the bookstore Parnassus Books in Nashville. That's right. And He's doing a series right now on Instagram about the books we missed. And so she's doing like you're doing with Tulip Fever, kind of circling back and finding those books that kind of got missed just because there were just too many to read all at once. So um, while I haven't read Tulip Fever, it sounds like it would be a great choice because it was uh, very well regarded when it came out. Yeah, it's a romance novel. It's a contemporary novel set in 1630s in Amsterdam. And it's about a wealthy merchant and there's a love triangle. And I guess at that time, that's when the tulip industry kind of was at the fore and it was considered a very exotic flower. So Mm -hmm. um, it'd be interesting to read about that. But I like the idea of a kind of a little bit of escapism, a little bit of historical. When you were talking about Amsterdam, I got thinking about all those ones about Vermeer. Um, Oh, yeah. The girl yeah, with the pearl earring. Pearl earring, exactly. And um, and I know that when we went to the museum, the girl with the pearl earring actually isn't in the Rex Museum. <laughs> it's a different different painting, but um, oh. it still gave you that still that feeling, you know, that um, this was where the inspiration started. Now, when I was looking for books in Paris, I have now decided I think 
every other book out there has the word Paris in it <laughs> and or book, book, bookshop, bookstore. Yes. Is this true? I, I, would you agree with that? <laughs> I would. I confessed to you earlier that I am in the midst of uh, putting together, uh, having noted this, putting together a pod, or a uh, blog post about Paris because there are so many books, but not only, you know, books that are already out there. There are so many new books being released about Paris. And I sort of feel like People have been, I mean, this is the great thing about books is it allows you to travel places in your mind while you're reading. And I think during COVID, a lot of people were at home writing about where they imagined they'd want to go. And of course, so many people, we all love Paris. So um, there's some great, great uh, stories out there with Paris. Same with New York. There's a big trend, lots of New York ones coming out as well. Um, and then I've always wanted to go to Ireland, so I've been doing my <laughs> research on Ireland. But uh, talking about, we were talking about books set in Paris, but a lot of these movies now are tying in as well. So mm-hmm. one that, that I'm really looking forward to seeing is... Um, based on a Paul Gallico novel. And Paul Gallico wrote The Snow Goose, which is my one of my, I can't choose one, but one of my all-time favorite books. Um, so Paul Gallico wrote The Snow Goose, but he also did this quite different little series about Mrs. Harris. And Mrs. Harris was a charwoman, as they say. And um, pretty, you know, insignificant means in her life, but just had a huge heart and, you know, as we just recently lost the queen, she kind of reminds you of a little character like the queen, you know, sort of uh, physically. And uh, so the movie that's out right now is based on his book, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And while oh. she's at her, the woman's home that she's cleaning, she sees these incredible Christian Dior gowns. And she thinks, well, she ends up getting herself a little bit of a windfall. And she decides, that's it. I'm going to Paris and I'm going to go get me one of these robes. <laughs> so off she goes. And it's, um, it's just charming. That's the best word for it. And so that's a Paris one. Um based on a book about Paris. And oh, and they're older books. I didn't oh, know. Yeah, yeah, no, quite. They're sort of, they're, oh, I don't know how to describe 1958. Them. Yeah, they're like ones you'd find on your grandma's shelf. But they're That's adorable nice. and wonderful. And I, I remember reading another one. So this is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, but there was another one. Mrs. Harris was up to something else fun. And she's just such a lovable little character. And uh, so it was fun. She goes to New York in 1960. Mrs. Harris goes to, oh no. Yeah. She goes to, there's one set in New York too. There we go. There's our New York connection. (laughs) (laughs) And the other movie I noticed the other night, and it's it's not getting this sort of the greatest reviews, but is Eiffel. So it's about the, or as we like to call it here, Eiffel Tower. (laughs) But the, the, um, designer of the Eiffel Tower, and I guess he had quite a love story. So the movie is out. It's on Netflix, I believe. Oh. And that one reminded me that there was a book out a few years ago called To Capture What We Cannot Keep um, by Beatrice Collin. And it was about a woman who came to Paris and met um, Eiffel, and they had this romance and so um it's funny you know how these things get out there in the zeitgeist (laughs) then all of a sudden everybody's kind of picking them up and and going with it so those those two stories came out um 
not that long ago. So the movie is actually based on the biography of Eva uh, Eiffel. And then to capture what we cannot keep was a novel. Oh, wow. Okay. Those are okay. Those are good. Those I'm going to add those to my list. Oh, before we move over and talk about the actual books, I wanted to take this time to welcome and introduce my first podcast sponsor, Westside Realty. So I'm really excited to tell you a little bit about them because they're also, um, I'm going to be talking about my friend today, and I've also actually used them uh, to buy and sell real estate, and my family's also used them. So Westside Realty is a Vancouver boutique real estate firm located on the west side. It opened up 23 years ago, and um, they're very well regarded. They're they're actually... Um, one of the very top agencies in town, and 90% of their business comes from repeat clients and referrals. So that tells you a lot. But I'm here today today to talk about um, one of their top agents, Shannon Verlack, who's also my good friend. She grew up in Vancouver, so knows it well. She's worked all different sides of the real estate business, and she started out working with a, a major developer and joined uh, Westside Realty many years ago, over a decade ago. Uh, But what I really wanted to say about her, she is one of the very top agents in the city, but what makes her unique, um, there are a couple things. First of all, as my friend, she hacks exactly the same way she does um, in person as she does as a real estate agent. She will be by your side for the whole process. She asks a lot of questions. At first, you might think it might be too many, but she's really trying to make sure that you're making um, a decision that works really well for you. And she knows everybody. Uh, When I hang out with her, it's hard to walk very far without her running into someone uh, she knows. And I think the nice thing about that is I found she has a lot of resources at her fingertips, whether you need to get your hedge trimmed for sale or you want to get to know the new neighbor that you're moving in next to, chances are she's going to maybe know someone or be able to put you in touch. And on top of that, she's super funny and dynamic, which is really nice to have um, through a pretty stressful process. So with that, I just wanted to say thanks to Westside Realty and to check out Shannon. You can find her at westsiderealty.ca. And I encourage you to check out my newsletter because she did a little write-up on uh, the differences between how to think about buying and selling in this particular market. Okay, so let's talk about fall books. And if I, okay, now I'm going to put you on the spot. If you could give one or like a couple adjectives, what you think the theme for what you're seeing this fall, what would you say? Um, I would say relationships and technology. Um, yeah, I would say, I think we're seeing, you and I chatted about this as we often do in a parking lot somewhere, <laughs> is how technology has been such a challenge lately. Um, it's, it's absorbing all of our attention and we're sacrificing other things like we're sacrificing our, um, our reading and that is starting to appear in themes. And I think the influence of the um, pandemic as well 
as it is tied to technology, I think when we couldn't see people, we became quite fluent in texting and WhatsApping and whatnoting. And I think that um, we're starting to see that appear in, in books, how that has, um, we've replaced relationships in person with the technology. And I've seen it a few times. So uh, we'll have a couple of books today. I'm, I'm going to cover five. And um, the first one in particular, it's, well, we can just launch right into it because it's the perfect segue, but it's, um, it is about how, how we allow technology to kind of guide our relationships. Okay. So that's called, this is The Mutual Friend. Is this yeah. The, so, this okay. is, um, so first on our list here, it's called The Mutual Friend, and it's by a writer named Carter Bays. Now, Carter Bays is a co-writer of the sitcom How I Met Your Mother. That's my kid's so, favorite show. Yes. So while mm-hmm. we watch Seinfeld, and I think this generation is discovering Friends, so we watch Seinfeld and Friends, these big kind of casts of characters, um, but contemporary to the time we're viewing it. Um, this one picks up just like that. So we follow in this story um, a 28-year-old woman in New York. <laughs> and she is, she's in this stage of kind of being stuck. She's working as a nanny, but she really wants to become a doctor, but she just can't, she's just too distracted by everything going on uh, to kind of get her MCAT done and kind of get the ducks in order to move forward. So she's in this limbo stage. Um, so this is a big book, apparently. I haven't actually seen it, <laughs> but apparently it's, it's quite big and daunting. But the message that I'm hearing everywhere is, this is so different from anything you read it before that you just have to stick with it because it's long and it's a lot of characters. But um, what happens is she is following along with all of the associated crises in her friends' and family's lives And it's all done on her phone. So she's, so the whole thing is kind of how, you know, what is real and what is actually happening in real life and what is happening on your phone. Is that real or is that not real? You know, it's this sort of different um, approach to life and that we've created this chaos in we're maintaining, like I've, (laughs) the other day I was like, oh my gosh, I've been so busy all morning. Then I thought, what have I done? But I had been talking and catching up with like three or four different friends that I hadn't seen in a while, all on my phone. So I hadn't gone out. I hadn't done anything. But I had, in my mind, it was like I'd had four outings with friends. You know, it's sort of a funny way how that becomes intertwined. So digitally and real life, how it all merges. So some of the uh, reviews have said that it's a clever magic trick um, that it's beguiling. Here's a good word. It's uh, thought provoking. So it has all of that, but at the same time, and now we can kind of understand when we know how I met your mother, there's this charm about it and there's a warmth and a heartwarming element. So it's not a lecture or judgy. It's just, uh, it's kind of someone else called it a comedy of manners in the era of buzzing gadgets. So yeah, this one has me intrigued because I, I know I, like so many of us, grapple with the presence of our phone and and the great you know benefit it brings to us in many ways. But at the same time, 
it's, it's sort of taken on a life of its own. These, you know, our connection to everybody through our phone. And so this one, I think kind of points that out and, uh, anyway, it should be good. It's supposed to be funny as well. And, uh, and light, but the, and a few references to bonfire, the vanity. So I think there's sort of a social as well. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a little bit of a book that I just read and really enjoyed. I'm going to do a podcast on it. It's called Tomorrow and Tomorrow yes. and Tomorrow yeah. by Gabrielle Zevin. Yeah. And it's about video gaming. Mm-hmm. And I read it because everybody in my family, especially my husband, loves video games. Like, And not just, they like believe in them mm-hmm. and kind of it. I did it more kind of just to check things out and it's really, really good. And it, it makes the argument in some ways that um, video games are literature Mm -hmm. and, and that's just not a place that I, (laughs) I don't think that, but it's kind of interesting there. I see some parallels with, um, is it okay to be hanging out on video games and, you know, what does it mean with connection between people and, yeah, and there is this uh, judgment element, and I think it's sometimes generational. And it's also, you know, it is. I used to um, do professional development training in cross cultural communications, and I would use that as an example that gaming is kind of a culture. And so, in order to judge it, you have to understand it more. And we don't. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even know one end of the thing to hold up or push buttons or anything yet it's very much my kids world and so you know I can't judge because I've never tried it I've never been part of it so I that book is also on my list to read and there again another little movie connection is that uh that uh Zevin I think is her last name yeah yeah he wrote um was the one the something lives of AJ Fikri F-I-K-R-Y who is the bookseller and that book is coming that book has been made into a movie and it's coming out in the next little while but it again was a huge hit at the time the storied lives of aj fickery i think it was called anyway it was a wonderful book a lot of warmth just a really heartwarming book and that's i think why i'm intrigued by the one you just read tomorrow tomorrow and tomorrow because she's at able to have this warmth so I'm not intimidated to read about video games I feel like it's not gonna it's gonna be a nice foray into video game world I really recommend it because it's different and original yeah but it's like you said it is it's not it's not intimidating yeah yeah okay so what's the next book okay so um off from the mutual friend. Now we're into one called All the Lonely People by Mike Gale. Mike Gale is um, a UK writer, very, very popular over there, has a big following, and um, a good reason is that he's actually a teen advice columnist in some of the teen magazines. So that's where people came to know him. But he's written a number of, yeah, a number of novels. Um, a, a lot very big following and uh so this book's called all the lonely people and that will probably um activate a connection with uh eleanor rigby by the beatles mm. and so with that in mind that is sort of the theme but there's some great humor again that word i love sort of heartwarming um it's about an 84 year old reclusive gentleman um who actively resists social engagement with anybody 
And uh, he just kind of lives quietly by himself as a lonely person. But he was part of the Windrush generation, which uh, it's actually surfaced again about this generation of immigrants from Jamaica. And they're called the Windrush because they came over to England or to London on the Empire Windrush ship. And they were um, from the Caribbean and they just encountered so much racism and really had difficulties getting established in the community and so forth. So that's part of this man's story. And he had so much hurt in his life and he struggled so hard that now he just wants to turtle and stay in. So that's kind of sounds gloomy. And, and while we appreciate a story kind of sad, but the, element that makes this book I think quite funny is that his daughter lives in Australia and when she phones he tells her these wonderful stories about how busy he's been and all the people he's met and all the things that are going on in his life and he's oh just exhausted because he's done this and that and then she says that's great I'm coming to visit and now he's going to be caught out (laughs) so he needs to go out and create the life that he's fibbed about to his daughter for all this time and you can just see now he's actually going to benefit from being forced to forge relationships and create this image of what he thought his daughter wanted to hear about so he engages in the community and um, apparently it's just beautifully written I did pick this up I have it sitting right here and uh, can't wait to read about it it's supposed to be funny and moving but it also talks about race and old age and you know there are a lot of lonely people in the world so it gives you an appreciation for that but um it's one of those ones where it follows sort of ordinary people who kind of do extraordinary things. Have you read um, The Brilliant Life of Eudora Honeyset? Yes. yes. I love that book. And it makes me wonder if there's some comparisons there. Well, That's by I, Annie Lyons. Yeah. And I was thinking of, um, with this one, The Man Called Ove. Or of course. Or it's sort of yeah. Feeling where he's resistant to the neighbors and the children and the people in the neighborhood, and then he gets called, you know, drawn into it and uh, and benefits. So yes, I think that's very much along the same lines as those. Um, okay, what's the next one? Okay, the next one is called "We Are the Light," and it's by Matthew Quick. Now, this one isn't released till November first, okay. um, but it's coming up, and. Uh, Matthew Quick wrote Silver Linings Playbook, which was oh. the, um, you know Oscar-winning movie with Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. And you'll remember that one touched on mental health, but in a, just a really, really moving way and with lots of empathy. And was it obviously for good reason? Was it was an Oscar-winning movie? Um, this one. Matthew Quick sort of goes into, it's a novel, goes into exploring community. And again, there's this sort of tie into community um, and grief. So another element of mental health, but it's um, about grief. And one of the nicest comments I read about it was that this book reminds us that life is full of guardian angels. So it's... Mm. Um, an epistolary novel, ooh, gotta be careful saying that one, a, a novel written through letters. Mm-hmm. And it's um, kind of follows this arc of a tragedy and trauma, but how people heal um, through relationships in their community. And, and the two people that are the main 
focus are a widower and then a, a young or an 18 year old um, grief stricken teenager who sort of pops up in his back garden and they, they form a relationship. Um, the other thing that was in, so it seems intriguing to me. And of course, when someone's written Silver Linings Playbook, you're inclined to know that it's probably pretty good reading. Um, and it's coming out, as I say, so there, I haven't read it myself, but lots of people have been uh, reviewing the arcs and saying it's, uh, it's going to be a good, a good read. Um, and one of these ones too, that may have kind of a sad message, but at the same time is sort of optimistic and positive outcome in the end, which is good. So this writer, Matthew Quick, he's um, based in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And I, it was often is quite a discovery when you read a little bit about the writer. So he has a blog and also a newsletter and he touches on all sorts of themes. So you, it's, it's really something I do recommend is if you can find a lot of these writers now have newsletters. And if you connect with mm. a newsletter, um, well, like yours too, you have this opportunity to write beautifully about all sorts of different topics and they all kind of come together in a newsletter. So it's, um, he, so he writes a, a popular one that I think uh, is probably worth having in your inbox. It's, it's quite good. Okay, I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the cover on this one too. It's like a nighttime scene. It looks like of a small town. Yeah. With stars in the sky. Yeah, it looks kind it's of beautiful. And and I know I, I have to say um <laughs> it it also I'm not sure if it was We Are the Light or no, it was the mutual friend. I saw the UK cover and I was like, oh, that, that doesn't look like you know, I will, I like the other one, <laughs> like the North American one. Well, that's Not why they first, you know. So. That's why they've made that. <laughs> yeah. So, and then there are people who are buying, you know, multiple copies of a book because they like all the covers. <laughs> and if you've been into chapters lately, you'll see that um, they're having, I think it's their 25th anniversary, and they have released a whole line of Heather's favorites all with new cover art. So you can actually buy a collection of hard copies of her favorite books or what does she call them? Heather's picks. Um, oh. And so again, there's this, you know, building a library with, with great cover art. Um, okay. What's the next one? And we've got the word library in there. I feel like that's just to grab readers. <laughs> exactly. So this one might tie in more with your travel idea because, uh, I, I was just talking to my brother last night about, uh, Boston and just what a great city it is. And so this one is set in Boston, but very specifically set in the reading room of the Boston public library. So even more. Ah. And so, I was intrigued by this writer, actually. I want to know more about her. So her name is Sulari Gentil, and she studied astrophysics. This is all reminding me a little bit about our chemistry book um, that we talked Lessons about. Lessons in chemistry. Lessons yeah. in chemistry, where you have these writers who kind of come to writing in an unusual way. So this author studied astrophysics, and then she became a corporate lawyer. And she sat on boards and she was all very professional. And then for fun, she started to write mysteries, but her mysteries just took off. And so she has all sorts of series that are, um, I don't know if they're YA, but they're, they're um, for people who are really into mystery reading, look her up because she has all sorts of other ones um, that she's written. This one is more mainstream. And uh, so she writes kind of, uh, Somebody said they're not 
whodunit mysteries, but you come away from the book going, who's actually real in the story? <laughs> so ah. they're quite deep and they're, they're calling them psychological mysteries, mysteries within the mysteries. So this one is um, focused on a group of people, all with good reason to be there, sitting in the Boston Public Library reading room. And there is a scream and security comes and tells them they can't leave. They all have to stay there. So the story is their conversation all among each other as they befriend one another and they learn a little bit about one another. And then it's revealed that somebody at that table actually committed the crime. So, oh, it's almost like Clue, maybe. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. I thought this was like a board game. <laughs> so they're calling it a thrill and a page turner, and they're calling it a twisty literary adventure. So um, I don't read a lot of mysteries. I know I have tons of friends who do. I, the last one I read actually was your Susan Juby one. Um, but these kind of like cozy mysteries that you were talking about, I think this one sort of takes the cozy and ramps it up a little bit, you know, to uh, make it a little more psychological. But um, anyway, this one looks like fun. And because I love Boston and I have walked by the Boston Public Library a million times, I've not quite a million, but a few times, I feel like um, it's a good travel. <laughs> you, can, you can imagine the setting. So I look forward to that one. Um, now, the last book is, is nonfiction, I think. Right? Yes. So again, I've had lots of conversations. Like I tend to read um, a lot of novels, um, historical novels, contemporary. Um, I, I love, you know, traveling in my mind to these different worlds or neighborhoods or communities or however it works. Um, so that's where I focus a lot. But I also love my nonfiction. And I think one of my saddest moments in a book club was once I brought forth, we were sharing our favorite book and I brought forth Susan Ackerman's, um, what's it called? The History of Science, A Natural History of Science, which is so not me, if anyone knows me. <laughs> but it was fascinating. She took literary references and um, film references and all sorts of, you know, historical references into science. So it was just like a giant trivia book. I loved it. Couldn't believe how much I loved it. And, um, and it was nonfiction, obviously. And I presented it to my book club, very like, here, here it is, the best book ever. Nobody liked it. <laughs> so I've always been kind of cautious around nonfiction, but on the, like sharing about my stories in nonfiction. But I do enjoy reading. So right now I have Anna Quinlan's new writing book is on my bedside table. So I do like them. This one is rather than being a heavy um, nonfiction, this is what I would call pop science in a way mm -hmm. and there's a lot Math Malcolm Gladwell has us all reading those and and so this is by Susan Kane I'll just give you a beat to think about that because she wrote Quiet which was the book about introversion that went absolutely crazy and people were so enthralled with her book about introversion and the TED talk that she did associated with that became one of the top viewed TED talks in history and Susan Cain herself is kind of an interesting person in that she's what do we call it in the, she's she knows how to how to build the story so she has she investigated introversion people were able to take that and this you know the comments she made or this 
studies she made and transfer it to workplace or to families or to kind of self-knowledge. And this one um, is called Bittersweet and its subtitle is How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. So if you think about bittersweet, what that kind of feeling is, just hold that in your mind for a minute. She says there's hidden power in sad songs and rainy days. And she thinks bittersweetness is a hidden superpower. And so she talks, you know, she does research. She does kind of like Diane Ackerman that I was talking about. She has all this research and storytelling, a little bit of memoir to create lessons that make us aware of how this bittersweet state of mind teaches us about creativity or immortality and compassion and leadership. So she makes all of those connections for us from this feeling that we can all relate to. And it's kind of like with quiet was about introversion. We all either have an element of introversion within us or recognize that in somebody else, but then she really amps it up. There's a Ted talk. There's an online quiz. Go to her website, Susan Cain, uh, C-A-I-N. Um, and she has a Spotify playlist of, you know, of bittersweet songs. <laughs> so she knows how to really. That's brilliant. I know. But she gets this feeling like, like you, then you, you know how to connect with this on all sorts of levels. So she gets so, her point across. I love sad songs from the nineties and early two thousands, like Mopey indie yep. songs that make me cry. Mm-hmm. And I, purposely play them when I'm in the car and I cry and then I'm like really happy afterwards and my kids think it's so weird so that must be like I know this whole thing yes so it does and so she talks about you know a lot of writers get excited about a rainy day I know I do because it justifies you know noodling away in my journal or it justifies reading a book or um, reading some articles that I had bookmarked to read later a rainy day kind of gives me that mood and it's I don't know I think it might release me of guilt which is my operative state of being (laughs) it makes me feel like oh it's a rainy day I'm allowed to be open to doing something that doesn't require me being outside or going somewhere or doing something somewhere else so she's it's just I love how people like this must go through the world. Like they see these things that are so obvious, but they know how to name it. And then whether it's through music or a Ted talk or, you know, she communicates it to us. So I think this one is going to be right up there with, um, with quiet and quiet is still in like, it's, you'll see it always on the nonfiction. That's a great book. Mm -hmm. A great book. Yeah. Um, Well, this is a great selection, I think, for people to um, dive into this fall. And I would say everything kind of seems, there's depth to everything, but also a lightness. It's almost like, I wonder if people, yeah, they're they're very marketable books that you've selected, but also have um, depth to them. So I think that's... Yeah, there's just something. I mean, there's lots. I have to say that this summer... I quite enjoyed reading, you know, book lovers and I read um, Beach Read and, and all those kind of fun books and they have their place and I love them. And those ones are a bit more clever than, than, you know, let's say some of the, I won't say authors cause I don't think that's fair, but some of the ones set in a beach town and things like that are so fluffy and you whip through them and I mean, Danielle Steele, I don't know what the heck formula she's using, but she's cranking them out. And 
so they're, they serve their purpose and good Lord, look at their sales. They know what they're doing, but these ones, I think sometimes, and maybe it's the, the theme when you asked, go back to your first question was what's the theme is maybe it is bittersweet. Like some of these, they deal with big topics like grief and loneliness and, you know, ambition and, and feeling insignificant. And yet there's a sweetness to all of that too, which is, um, which is the message I always like in a good book. Well, thank you so much, Susan. That was terrific, as always. And thank uh, thanks so much for Susan Matheson for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for Susan. Thanks so much to Susan Matheson for coming on the podcast for another great episode. And thanks so much to Shannon Verlack and Westside Realty uh, for being my first sponsor. And you can find Shannon again at westsiderealty.ca. And I wanted to welcome you back uh, on November 4th. I'm going to be talking with um, BC author Grant Lawrence about his new book, Return to Solitude. And then later in November, I'm going to be recording from Paris with Jeff. We're going to be talking about two books. They're not going to be French books. But we're going to provide some color about some of the things that we have been seeing and um, on the road. So with that, thanks so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you soon.